You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Before we uh, get into the gist of all this, um, I realize this is a little deceiving. I'm not washing anyone's feet today. I've just I've got the towel in the tub so I don't make a mess. It's to contain what we're about to do. But before we get into that, um, this word came out of a story that Jay shared last week. Uh, first of all, I'm very excited to be back. I haven't preached on a Sunday. It, was, it feels like a very, very, very long time. Um, and that's been, that's been tough. Uh, so I am, I'm excited to be back here with you. And before we can continue and what the Lord has for us this morning, there's a lot. And it's big. And it's one of these things that we, we need to grasp because it's good. Um, we're, we're singing that, that song, New Wine, again, every time. I've told you this before. Every time we play it, I've got to have the words right there where I can look at them. Because there's always a fresh teaching in it. I came here with nothing but all that you have given me. There's a line. Do you realize all that he's given you? I mean, like, really realize all that he's given you. I'm not talking about worldly possessions. I'm not talking about the shoes on your feet, the clothes on your back, the house that you get to go to, the car you drove here with. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about you. Do you know what the creator of the universe has given you? Before you breathe your first breath, he gave you the world and dominion over it. All of it, everything outside in the kingdom of heaven and here on this earth is yours. Do you realize that? Do we realize that? We're going to get into that this morning. But before that, I really need us to, to listen to that story uh, again. So if you, if you weren't here last week or haven't been able to listen to the uh, sermon online, uh, you, get, you get this treat. You get to catch up before we go on. So Jay, go ahead, brother. Um, I'll give the paraphrased version, um, but um, a while back, Dad was teaching a lesson in which he uh, referenced Psalm 16, and uh, it's called, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, or however you're supposed to say it, a mictum of David, which means that there's something hidden there, something unique and special for us to discover. So um, I spent some extra time that week studying Psalm 16, and in my study came across this story. Um, in the turn of the 20th century, there was a certain grandson of Sitting Bull. Um, he, was, he had a mother who was a Christian, but uh, being a Native American, he didn't, I guess, live that life. He lived as his tribe lived. And then he began to travel with his father in uh, a circus, um, you know, as happened in that day. And it was discovered in those travels that he had a beautiful baritone voice. And so they sent him to New York to study in upstate New York in music college. He became an opera singer and a very accomplished organist. Um, he had a very significant career singing on Broadway as well as uh, just booked solid for organ performances. Um, and so life was going great for Chief Whitefeather. Um, until two of his sons died. Um, and in the sorrow and the grief of that, he tried to commit suicide by throwing himself off of a commuter train in New York City. 
Um, he didn't die, but he broke several bones, including his back, and was laying in a hospital bed, just groggy and delirious, and began to hear words from the doctor that he remembered his mother speaking to him in his childhood. Um, words of Jesus and the love of God. And, and there in that state, uh, the love of God encountered him and healed him completely, every bone in his body, including his back. Some accounts tell of him getting out of the bed, walking up and down the hospital halls as other patients cheered and shouted and praised God. Um, but he walked out of that, that hospital and began serving the Lord. Um, also happening at this same time, King George VI in England was, became the monarch. Uh, and in his reign, something really unique happened. Um, he, he and his wife, Queen Elizabeth, or the Queen Mother as, as we know her, became, uh, they came to the United States uh, for the first time. A monarch of England had never, of Great Britain, had never been on American soil. And so they came and made a state visit. Um, and FDR threw a quite a party for them in 1939. Um, there was a full musical performance that evening, uh, performing a, a Native American, uh, not Native American music, but um, American music and other pieces. And Chief Whitefeather was among the performers. He sang two arias and then uh, unscheduled began to sing uh, something that he said, I'd like to sing something from the depths of my heart. And he began to sing, I'd rather have Jesus. Um, the queen mother began to cry as he was singing. And afterwards, he knelt in and said, uh, I know you're a deeply religious woman, and I just want to ask if you know Jesus as your personal Savior. And she responded and said, there are some that know of God, and there are some that know of Christ, but the Lord Jesus is the possessor of my heart. And King George replied, we would rather have Jesus too. So that, that's the, the story of that encounter. Yeah, amen. Thank you. I want to talk about a detail that we could, we could quickly overlook in that story. You know, we, we come to the end and we think of, oh my goodness, what a story. What a result that that story had. The real important piece of this is that in the midst of performing this concert and doing what he was paid to do in the midst of his profession, he could not help but overflow with praise to God. It happened naturally in the place he was in his profession. He didn't do anything extra, but he overflowed. And the Lord didn't tell him to do it. He simply couldn't help but express the love for his king. And John 7, 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Do you think those people encountered rivers of living water? There's a word in that passage that we just read, believe. And that's not talking about accepting Jesus as your Savior and then we've kind of done, which is what we've done in Western Christianity. If you just believed in Jesus as your Savior, that's it. But that if you believe, I'm talking about daily evidence of your belief because you can't help but express it. And what we see in that is that we see not only did this man receive 
the river of living water for himself. But he became an active pathway for that river to flow. And this is how we are to live. Now I'm going to get wet for a second. Just to illustrate this, it was important. I'm a visual learner. And so it was important for me to visualize this. We've been taught this uh, very clearly over the last 12 years. But in case you haven't seen this. This cup, in and of itself, is simply a vessel. Simply a vessel. Okay, and we've seen this before, we've heard this before, we're meant to live in the overflow of this cup, correct? If I put this cup under a faucet and I turn it on, when does it stop to fill up? When does it stop filling up? When I remove it from the faucet, right? If I can't turn that faucet off, if I remove it from the faucet, then it stops filling up. But if I keep it under there, and we'll see this, if I keep it under there, and we can see it, this is easily measured, we can see it, what happens? It overflows. Look at the overflow. We know and we've been taught that we're meant to exist in the overflow. You are not meant to exist within this cup. You are meant to exist in the overflow. Now let me ask you this. Is there abundance here? Where is the abundance located? Is it located in the cup or out of the cup? Out of the cup. Because this cup is not an abundance of water. Only when it overflows beyond what it can carry does it become an abundance of water. So follow me. I'm, I'm telling you, the worst thing that could have happened for you is me be gone for a couple weeks because I'm going to be loud today. All right? If you have hearing aids and you can hear me clearly, maybe turn them down because I'm getting louder. I'm just building up. Okay? And I came this morning... There is a fire in me for what the Lord wants to do. And I came to light some fires. All right? So I need you to be with me and follow with me this morning. We are meant to live in the overflow. We are created to live in abundance. Again, we'll look at this. I taught this uh, a couple Wednesdays ago. Randy has taught this in his Sunday school lesson three or four weeks ago now. In Genesis 1.28, just look at the screen. And God bless them. He had just created us. We focus on Genesis 1.27 so much, and it's important. It's important for us to focus and, and know who God created us in the image of. We need to understand that foundational knowledge so that we can operate in the fullness of identity. But the next thing that we don't ever talk about is what happens in verse 28. He created them. He created us. And then his immediate action to follow was to bless us. And what did he bless us with? And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruits. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given you every plant for food. I put the paper clip in the wrong place again. And so it was. Three words for paper clip. And so it was. He gave us the many, he created us, and then he gave us an abundance immediately after. You are created for abundance. You are meant to operate in abundance. You are a created being meant to exist within abundance. And Jesus, who came, he came to reconcile us back to God, right? And we can read that in 2 Corinthians. 
5.18. We've read this. And all this from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For your sake, he made him to, who knew, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what did Jesus come to restore? He came to reconcile us back to God. What does that reconciliation look like? It looks like John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That doesn't mean you got 10 cars in the driveway. Oh, an abundance of life. The abundance of life which God gives cannot be measured by our terms and understanding. He has given you an abundance of life. Jesus came to reconcile you back to this life of abundance that we see in Genesis 1.28. That everything of this earth and in the kingdom of heaven is yours. Because Christ died. That a kingdom of death would be defeated. And that we, the children of God, could then plunder again. We could take back what was ours. And we know, and we just saw, abundance does not exist in the cup. It exists in the overflow. So why are we... The sons and daughters of God in the cup. Why on earth do we continually find ourselves there? It's very easy to follow what the Lord is doing and what he's created us for. And it's not meant to be a difficult journey. I've had this conversation. I, I, I get to still counsel some, some students and, and deliverance, and I've had this conversation with them, that this life is not meant to be this complex thing, and it is this difficult task to follow Jesus. If I've got a shovel, it's going to be really good at digging a hole. It's created for that purpose, and we are created for Him. So if we live with Him, life is really not that hard. That doesn't mean difficult circumstances don't come, but living with Christ is not a difficult thing to do. It's not meant to be a difficult thing to do. Encountering the miraculous nature of God and, and going back to a previous lesson from a few Wednesdays ago and that being uh, building upon a lesson that Randy taught in a Sunday school even more weeks ago, we continue to see ourselves in battle. Did Christ die that we would still fight? If, if he died that we would still find ourselves in a battle, what was the purpose of death for Christ? Where did he go? And what did he rise from? If he rose from a defeated kingdom, then our life cannot be meant to exist within a battle any longer. When Jesus died and rose and conquered death, we regained that dominion. We regained access to an abundant life. Not just life, but life abundantly. We regain that access. We are now to plunder that which Satan has lost when Jesus defeated him in his kingdom. Randy used that word in his Sunday school lesson, plunder. And I love it. 
But we continue to see ourselves in a battle. So we are constantly measuring the enemy, measuring the world around us, measuring our relationships. Everything's a give and take thing. And you are constantly existing within the cup, measuring what you have and what you don't. That's where we exist. That's how we can come to this terminology because it baffled me for a few weeks. I was like, how, how can we come to this terminology? Because I, I was guilty of it too, where I could sit in here and listen to Randy teach when I was under him and be like, man, that, that lesson's not for me. I wonder who that's for. I was listening to it. But then there are also times where it's the opposite. It's like, man, that, that word was exactly for me. But you see, in that it seems harmless, but in that thought, I'm dismissing things of God and receiving things of God, picking and choosing what it is that I want, what it is that I don't. That's action that exists within the cup. That's me saying, I've got some room. I don't need to be all the way to the top. I'm 90% full. But what happens if water stops being poured into that cup? What happens to that water in that cup? is pretty nasty. Fill up a cup with water and leave it outside for two weeks. And then you go back and you videotape yourself drinking it. I ain't going to do it. Unless there's some money involved, maybe. You're not going to want to do it. Because we were not ever meant to stop overflowing. Because right, right at the very beginning, the very beginning of this word that we study and we so many people dedicate their lives to at the very beginning in the 28th verse of the very first chapter of this book. It says that you are made for abundance. You are made to have dominion. And you can't have dominion if you're still fighting. Dominion comes from a place of victory, does it not? Dominion comes from a place of authority. Authority over. You can't have an authority over a kingdom that has not been defeated. But I can have authority over a kingdom that is defeated. And so instead, what we see in the church, instead of abundance, what we see is helplessness. Because we view ourselves in a battle. We don't see the abundance of the children of God, we see the helplessness of the children of God. I mean, really, think about it. Think about the world's perception of us right now. It comes down to this common denominator of what is the point? Where is this God? This God can't be real. Because I see you right next to me doing the things you say I'm not supposed to be doing. Because we're measuring. We're existing within the cup. We're battling. And it's this vision. The Lord gave me this when I was teaching on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. It's this vision of a defeated kingdom. This kingdom is destroyed. But all of us are standing outside the gate, unwilling to enter this defeated kingdom's gates to take back what that kingdom took from us. And all the while we're sitting there, man, I can't wait for somebody to go in there and bring something out. Or this, this mentality that I've slipped in. I know all of us have slipped in. We are not absent of this. This is human nature. We have done this. Where we've slipped into it, well, if the Lord really wants to do it, he'll find somebody to do it. I don't really think they're talking about me doing this. The Lord's got somebody in mind. It's just probably not me. That keeps you outside the gate. 
And outside the gate, you're not operating in victory. Because you're still saying that what is in front of you has authority over you. If I gave you, if I gave you a, a bag, a big bag, big old black duffel bag, and I took you to this room, not a big room, small room, and I said, you have two minutes, and it's full of money. You have two minutes to take as much money out of that room, put it in the bag as you can. How many of you guys are going to get to work? I'm going to get to work. You're not going to be able, I'm going to be so fast. I'm going to move faster than I've ever moved in my entire life. You think you'll come out after that two minutes uh, a little bit sweaty? Yeah, I will. Will that bag be heavy? That bag's not heavy. You weren't doing a very good job. Will that work have been worth it? If all that money goes home with you, will that be worth it? And then let me ask you this. At the end of, when you're, when you're going and you leave the room and you go outside and people ask, what just happened? Are you going to tell them about how hard you had to work to get that money in that bag? Or are you going to just talk about the treasure that's in the bag? See, when we live in a battle and we're constantly measuring, we're also measuring the amount of work that something is going to require of us. And that'll deter us a little bit, won't it? But when we're living in victory and we're seeing it as I am taking back that which was taken from us, dominion and abundance again, I will not ever tell the story of the amount of work it took to take back what was ours from the beginning. Will, it, will there be work required? Yes. Just like filling that, that bag full of money, there was work required, but that's not the detail that we focus on. But instead, we sit and we wait for it to be done for us because it's kind of difficult and we found ourselves in that. Again, that all comes back to seeing again that we are still in a battle. And for so long, we have been caught assessing the size of the enemy instead of the size of the God who has sent us. How easy is it to do right now? And these days, it's incredibly easy to assess the size of the enemy. But what did God say? Before everything just kind of blew up in the world around us, what did God say? God said, I am calling you to go out and meet the prodigal sons and daughters seeking to return home. So he knew what was coming and he said, I'm sending you into it. Did he not? We've got it online if you need to, to hear it for yourself. But he, knowing what was coming, said, I will send this house into the world. Because they will be those that operate in victory and not operate in a battle mentality. They will not be those that assess the size of the enemy. They will assess the size of me who has sent them. And now, go back to this bag of money. Imagine every one of those bills in that bag is a person and a life and a story that now gets to enter with you into the gates of heaven. Because you ran out to meet them. And you ran out to grab them. 
not thinking about the difficulty it will be to mentor them into this, but just going and taking them back. Because the Lord has given dominion. The Lord has given us abundance. And the Lord has given forgiveness. He has given freedom. We just get to introduce them to it. The father in the, in the story of the prodigal son. The father runs out to his son. Did he get to his son and start immediately talking about how tired he was? I'm exhausted. What did he do when he got to his son? He gave him that which was his. Truth and righteousness. Not allowing him to exist in a battle mentality anymore, but that he would exist only in the freedom which he was given from the very beginning. He wouldn't let him operate in anything but victory. Immediately. He wouldn't even let him finish his apology before he clothed them in the victory. And that son, I'm telling you, that son encountered one word. He encountered abundance. He encountered abundance from his father. And I'm telling you, that father wasn't getting back. He wasn't talking about and He wasn't dwelling on all the things his son had done or how difficult it was or how long he had stayed on that porch waiting for him to return home. He just celebrated the fact that he was home because he operated in victory. There's this, uh, I, I, just, I, I don't know how the Lord does this. It's actually, it's just become a game. Not a game, but just something very exciting. I love when I sit down, you know this, when I prepare my sermons, I sit down and I go to YouTube and, and you know, it gives me the suggested videos based on what I've watched. And so I like to listen to live worship. And uh, there's always a brand new song on there. And it always it ministers to my heart so directly and so specifically. It's just, it's so fun. I get so excited to sit down at my computer and start prepping for what the Lord has because I don't know what he's going to minister to me in that time, but I know he's going to minister something. And before that song can even finish, he's ministered something to me that was exactly what I needed without knowing I needed it. It's just so good. But he, he did the same thing again. Uh, he did that Friday and he did it Saturday. This one song, and there's this line in this song. And these people, I mean, these people are celebrating. These people are dancing, singing this song. And they're chanting this, this, one, this one line, hell lost another one. And I love that. I love that they're just rubbing it in his face. Because we've given this hell, we've given it so much power and authority. We've made it so large in our mind. But because the children of God operate in a battle mentality, and we operate in this temporary place of victory, because in a battle, if you've ever seen a war scene, they may have victory over one person, but how long until they're back in the battle? That victory doesn't last very long, does it? So it's impossible to even preach about victory if those listening are thinking that they're still in a battle. But anyways, this kingdom has no power, has no authority, has been completely defeated, and has been doing nothing but letting the children of God just kind of run in circles because they still think they're fighting someone. We still think we're in a fight. Just this imaginary opponent, that can't, he has no power or authority in and of himself. He was defeated. 
He's not really having to do anything. We're doing all the work for him. But then when we turn to this victory mentality and plunder, that I get to take back all that that kingdom had taken from us in the fall of man, that has now been defeated because of Christ Jesus and his sacrifice and his victory over death. Because of that, we can go out and we can encounter people and we can say that hell has lost another one. Hell has lost another one. And I wonder what it would look like if the children of God could finish their days, their 24-hour period of time in a day, and look back and say, hell has lost these people today. I'm telling you, that list for each and every one of us could get very, very big if we would operate in the mentality of all that is out there and in the kingdom of heaven and before me is God's, and he has given it to me as a son of God, and I will take it. I will take it. We see it in Jesus, displayed so beautifully. Taking back that which was always his father's and always meant for us. Taking it back. He did it over and over again. But all that comes down to one thing. As it always, all of these, all of these moments come back to one thing. And that's us. If we want to see the sons and daughters operate in the abundance and dominion that God had created us for and Jesus Christ came and reconciled us back into, and we would have life abundantly, what first has to happen? I have to live life abundantly. I have to live in victory. I have to live with dominion and knowing that I am operating from a place of complete victory. There's not an enemy still standing. And everything before me is ours to take back. And then when one of us lives that way, again, anything we desire to see corporately must first happen individually. So we, the individual, have to start operating in the abundance that God has given us from the beginning of time. How do we do that? We simply say, we simply say yes. This has been... Uh, a common thing that I've taught in the last, last week of, of what, what it is to walk in the Spirit. And we, we, when they understand the Spirit and body, soul, and Spirit, and they're understanding all this, and we're tracking, okay, how do I walk in the Spirit? It's very simple. You choose it. You say yes to it. And you say yes to it a thousand times a day until you no longer have to say yes to it because it's what you wake up in. It's what you wake up in. It's the same with this. If I want to live in the abundance of life and the dominion that God had created me for, what do I got to do? I got to say yes to it. And I have to say yes as many times a day as it takes for it to be true in me. Until one day I wake up and it's no longer a decision I have to make because it's the abundance and reality that I live in. That's what we have to do. I'm telling you, there is, there is a mystery, again, that the Lord is desiring to see, that he is desiring to see in his people again. The mysterious people of God are meant to walk this earth again, that the people would look around us and know who we belong to, not understand how we can live the way we live, but they would know who we belong to. This, the mystery that we see in, in the, the, the beginning of Acts, in those early passages of them seeing people walk with the Spirit for the first time. And some people are straight up terrified 
terrified of them. But there are also so many that are running after it. Terrified, not understanding how it's possible that they could live the way they live. And that doesn't mean we live with sackcloth and eat honey and locusts. That means we live our life overflowing, not in the cup, but overflowing, living our life in the abundance. And where we are, God will use us. And where we are, the river of life will flow from us. And it will change those that will run countries. And we understand a monarch in our head, right? It's one family. For generations and generations and generations. But what that one encounter with that river of living water does. And what it did in that moment. That you would have such a profession from those that are over an entire country. Because this man was simply overflowing. He couldn't help but express the love that he has for his God because he lived in the abundance of love from God. And it flowed out of him. He received the river of life for himself and then it flowed out of him. And it affected those around him. It's so simple. He didn't do anything. It doesn't talk about the the lesson prep or anything he had to do. He just did what he was created to do. And in that place, the abundance of God flowed out of him. It is so simple, this life that we're meant to live. If we would transfer our thinking to the abundance and victory mentality instead of the battle mentality. The battle has been won. The war has been won. There, it's just taking now. We just get to go and take it back. We just get to take it back. And so that is my prayer for this house that they would look at us and they would see a people that live in abundance. And I'm not talking about material abundance because we know everything on this earth can be measured. God's abundance cannot be measured. So I pray that they would see an abundance that cannot be measured in us. Are you good with that? Say yes to it though. You've got, and you've got to say yes. I don't care if it's 10,000 times a day. Say yes to it. Because there is a life out there waiting for you to pluck them up. There is a son returning home broken and lost and without hope that is waiting on you to meet them in that field and not allow them to live in that way of thinking another second before you introduce them to the abundance that they were created for, the victory they were made for. That's our job. He's given it to us. He gave it to us for a reason. The reason for that, obviously, and I'm sure you've gathered this, for the two minutes on filling that bag full of money, that's not a long time, right? And when you're in a hurry, that's really not a long time. And it says that your life is but a mist. We know how long a mist lasts. And it also says that in your days, your days will be filled with evil. And if you're a mist and your days are going to be filled with evil, what time do we have to waste living in a battle? No time. Live in abundance. Live in the joy that comes from walking in what you were created to exist in. 
It's so easy. It is so simple. That doesn't mean that's absent of difficult times, difficult circumstances. But I'm telling you, to walk with the Lord is not meant to be a difficult thing. And to live in the abundance and plunder is not a difficult thing. Where in history has taking what a kingdom had taken from someone else described as difficult after the battle? Never. They don't talk about it as like, man, they really had to work to get all that treasure. They didn't talk about that. She talked about the victory. So Lord, I pray that we would be a people, a mysterious people that operate in abundance and dominion that cannot be explained. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that cannot sit still. We are so excited to enter into this defeated kingdom's gates and to see all the jewels and gems, all the lives that are there waiting for us to run after them. And I pray that our feet would be lit on fire. And we could not help but run. We could not help but run after those seeking to return home. We could not help but take back that which you have, that which we lost, but you have won back for us. To go and grab it. It is ours. You paid for it with a price. I pray that that would not be wasted, but that we would take it back. Lord, and I pray that you would see in this time and in this place from this house, you would see a generation of people, a body of people, a house of people that live in the dominion and abundance that you meant for us to always live in from the very beginning. Lord, that it would look like the Garden of Eden in the lives of those in here. Jesus came to reconcile us And he has now given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's brought us back into the life of victory and abundance and dominion. And now we get to go bring those those still lost into that life. I pray that we would do it. We wouldn't talk about it. We wouldn't think about it. We would simply go and do it. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the new revelation. We thank you for how you are growing and teaching us leading us deeper and deeper and deeper. Lord, take us to depths of your heart that have yet to be discovered by your children. Lord, depths of your heart that have, that have not yet been written about. Not yet encountered. Lord, we love you. We give you our lives. We thank you that you are in charge and you've given us dominion over this place. You are good and you are worthy. And what you have done for us goes beyond our comprehension. But Lord, I pray for the time of the sons and daughters to be revealed. In the fullness of how they are always meant to be revealed. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. You are good and you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.